Have you ever wondered how to make sense out of your messy life or how to live in peace in the middle of a stressful world? My name is Jamie Norton, and I want to welcome you to the Making Peace and Beyond podcast, where we talk about life struggles and how to live in the peace, joy, and freedom that Christ died to give us. I am so excited today to have my friend and co-counselor, Michelle Abraham, with me. Michelle, um, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Michelle and I get together just about every Friday afternoon and have a conversation not dissimilar from the one we're going to have right now. <laughs> so we decided to to do it on, on camera. And uh, so, Michelle, would you like to tell people a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am a counselor here at Grace Church, and I have three children. One is 21, and it goes to Bowling Green State University. One who's 19 and is working and at home, and another that's 11, and um, married. And um, I have a master's degree in social administration from Case Western Reserve University. And I've been doing like different aspects of social work my whole career. Started off in case management, mental health case management for older adults, and then moved into a research component, which is what I did mostly before I came here for counseling. And how long have you been here? It's hard for me to know. Years are running together for me. I I've got so many of them. <laughs> so it was right before the pandemic, so it started in 2019 in counseling. But I was working here at the church since uh, 2015. My youngest was real little. And I have so loved having you here. It's Aww, just been such a gift you. to all of us. And today we're going to talk a little bit about something that we both have fairly strong opinions about, <laughs> which is the whole tendency that we have as a culture to uh, claim victimhood mm-hmm. and how that is something that is so destructive to the individual and to the culture um, and most is unnecessary. And so uh, I thought we would you know, maybe start off by just saying what is a victim because I know when I ask people what a victim is, uh, generally speaking, they'll talk about um, something that someone has done to someone. Yeah. You know, someone who has been hurt by someone, someone who has been traumatized by something, someone who has had some kind of terrible thing happen to them. And so they 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 define the victim by the other person or by the event mm-hmm. rather than an individual. And, you know, whereas I think a victim is actually someone who has no choice, someone who has no choice over what happens to them. Right. And so, uh, and that would really apply pretty much to all of us. <laughs> because yeah. all of us at some level have no choice over what happens to us. Right. So That's beyond our control. It's mm-hmm. beyond our control. That whole illusion of control is what helps us to deny our helplessness. Correct. But as, a, as, as human beings, we are pretty helpless. So, is that would that fit in with what what you think and say? I would agree with that. Yes, one hundred percent. And I think like the the you're truly a victim when the act is occurring and you don't know what to do in the moment, and you know the fallout from that is where you start to re- regain your control back afterward. You know, and that's that's the reason we see people is to help them harness that control again in their lives. Yeah. And I think it, 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 it backs up to that whole understanding that our life really is not determined by our experiences or what happens to us. It is determined by how 
we respond to what happens to us. Mm -hmm. And we can basically go in two different directions. We can go in the direction of using everything that happens as a learning opportunity, as something to grow from. We can grow stronger from it. We can grow closer to God. We can grow stronger in community. Or we can become an angry, bitter victim. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes all the difference in the world is, is not what happens to us as much as how we respond to what happens to us. Yeah. And we have a choice. Right. Mm-hmm. And un- I agree. Unfortunately, we, we, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is how the system that we live in basically encourages victimhood. Mm-hmm. It encourages us to stay there. I know one of the parables that Jesus told that I really love that goes back to that is, is, uh, the man who'd been sitting by the healing pond for several years, many years, and and uh, and Jesus asked, you know, said, "I can't get there because people are always in front of me, and people are blocking my path, and things are things are getting in my way. And by the time I get there, everything, everything yeah. is gone." And so he had a lot of self justification, a lot of excuses, a mm-hmm. lot of reasons why he couldn't get to the pond. Yeah. And Jesus very simply asked him, "Do you want to get well?" Do you want to get well? And the and the man said, yes. And he, Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk. And I think that speaks to a lot of what we are about. It's true. Is pick up your mat and walk. Nobody's going to fix your life. Nobody's going to make it better. Nobody's going to write your story. Right. You know, so we have a choice. Do we sit and wait for something that's not going to happen? Or do we start to pick the pen up and write our own story? Right. I think a lot of it... It has to do with people with their rescue mentality, that someone's going to rescue them from their their plight, wherever, whatever that is. And there's a lot of difficulty for people to get through what happened to them and then to decide that they want to get better. They don't want to dwell in that, that pain that they've had. And that, yes, it's going to take work to get better too. So that's, the I think, a lot of times the struggle is knowing that, yes, this happened to me and I still have to work on getting better, even though it you know happened to me years ago or whatever, and it was a lot of work to get through it, but there's also going to be a lot of work to get well again, too. I think when children are, are, when their dependency needs aren't met in their family of origin, very often those dependency needs are still waiting. You're still waiting yeah. for someone to come and take care of you. You actually needed someone to take care of you when you were a child. But you, uh, you, you're still waiting for that. And so when life happens, we tend to revert back to wanting that dependency mm-hmm. need to be met, wanting someone to come in and put, put a Band-Aid on our boo-boo and, and, and make it better. And, and, and you know, that's uh, not going to happen, but it's also not age-appropriate. You know? Right, right. Because one of the, uh, I mean, children are victims. Children are have no choice. Children really don't know what to do. They need instruction. They need people to help them uh, formulate uh, coping skills and uh, be able to manage their emotions and be able to resolve anger and and deal with conflict. Um, And and as children grow, the biggest difference between someone who is a, a child and someone who is an adult is an adult has choice. We have choice of response. 
And and so we become responsible for those choices, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not. Right. <laughs> you know, and and uh, choosing not to do anything different it has its consequence. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I th- I remember we used to always talk about how you know people can choose to live how they want to live, whether that's you know in a, a terrible circumstances <clears throat> if, or greatest circumstances. They've made the choices. You can choose to change your life. And it it doesn't happen overnight, and I think that's what the, that's what holds people back is that they expect instant results from change, and it's not happening that way. Mm-mm. They come into us wanting to want, want one to session them. to be the fix. <laughs> one and done. Yeah, yeah, and that's not how it works. It's, no. it's a long time. You got to start with where they are, and then build on that. And a lot of times, it's they haven't even processed the original act that happened. So sitting down with someone to process a traumatic event can take many sessions. It could take months, depending on how willing they are to share with the counselor and and work through the event. And then once you can process that event, then the healing begins. I think that speaks to a, a, a natural tendency that we have as human beings, which is really interesting because we tend to act in ways that absolutely are opposite of what we need to do. I mean, when we need God the most, we fire him. When we need each other the most, we isolate. Yeah. You know, when, we, when we're when we feeling, I mean, ashamed of something or feeling like, you know, something is really hurting us, we have a, a, a we tend not to talk about it. We tend to be secretive. And mm-hmm. so when we see each other, everybody's walking around looking like nothing ever happened to them. And so we think we're the only ones. Yeah. The only ones that have ever been hurt, the only ones who have ever been traumatized, the only ones who have ever had pain. And what we don't get is that life is so full of pain and suffering, mm-hmm. and that's not going to change. No. And, and so nobody has a, has a corner on it. Nobody has a, you know, having pain in your life does not give you the special privilege of hurting others, right. of not performing, of not doing things. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, you can choose to do that. Right, but it's 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 that justification is faulty. Correct. Yep. And I see that a lot. You know, I see a lot of people who, who just don't feel that they have it in them to move forward. And 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 there are reasons for that. I think you know, uh, many people were never taught that they exactly. had. They don't have the tools, right? Many people tried to make choices and then were beaten down by them, mm-hmm. by others at, at, a, at a point. Or, But the other thing that, that I'm finding, and, and uh, you know, we're doing all this ticky-tocky stuff now. Yes. <laughs> and, and the things that are going on there. And one of the fascinating things to me is to, is to see, the, you know, see responses mm-hmm. and see how people are. And, and just I'm really grateful for the positive responses. And, but I'm also grateful for the ones that aren't so positive because it helps me to understand how how we think, how, how people are thinking um, that are not in my office, that are just kind of out there. But one of the interesting things to me is, is, uh, is the attachment to our victimhood. You know, the attachment to it's become an identity. And I think the mm-hmm. mental health system has helped that because we say you are a, you are depressed, you are bipolar, you are PTSD. You, and, and that becomes, I think we look for an identity. Mm-hmm. If we don't know who we are and whose we are, that we're God's precious kids, then we're looking on this earth for an identity somewhere. And, yeah. and uh, so if somebody gives you one, we tend to accept it, especially if they have a piece of paper, like we have a piece of paper. I'm so glad that we don't 
do a whole lot of Mm-mm. that. <laughs> you know? No, but yeah, <laughs> but. But if, if someone has a piece of paper, we tend to think they know what they're talking about. And, you know, and so we accept the label that somebody else gives us instead of really seeking, okay, what, who does the creator say we are? Mm-hmm. You know, who does, who does, I mean, probably the person who knows we, who we are the best is the person who created us. Mm-hmm. And that's not our parents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, our parents, you know, grew the seed, but it, 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 they did not create the life. Right, <laughs> you know? right. I, th- I spend a lot of time with young people trying to teach them not to label themselves, you know, and because then you put yourself <laughs> into, you kind of pigeon so- pigeonhole yourself into a, a group that maybe you're going to grow out of in a few years. And I think... With the the labels, we end up, like you said, a- attaching to them and using them as, um, not uh, the word wouldn't be excuse, but in a way it kind it of is. It is excuse. Yeah, to like <laughs> <think> excuse fit. <laughs> to, to like behave a certain, continue behaving, mm-hmm. or continue mm-hmm. the victimhood, or continue, you know, the the um, depressed mood, or whatever it is, and not seeking the help that they need to overcome, you know? Yeah. And we have set up a, a system where people come in, what are you going to do for me? Mm-hmm. You know, I went to counseling, it didn't work. It, well, you know, did you work it? Which is really different from recovering communities, which are, you are responsible for your co- recovery. Yeah. And and it's hard. I mean, it's work. I mean, it, it, you know, how you are and how you feel depends a lot on, what you eat, how much you sleep, how much you exercise, who you hang out with. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> what kind of <clears throat> what kind of things you're putting into your mind. Um, it depends on uh, who, what your source is. Who do you worship? Yeah. You know, what do you worship? And so a lot of, of healing happens when we have to have to really look at what we're thinking and, and why we're thinking what we're thinking and who told you that. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, and to really heal from that. It's a part of like our identity, I think, in a way. But I think, too, that in our society right now, we put so much focus on specific aspects of our identity and don't look at our whole self as a whole person, as a child of God, as, as a human being. And part of being a human being is suffering, and it is joy, and it is all the pieces that come together that make us who we are. And we, we tend, what I think happens is if you focus too much on that one label, that one thing that becomes your identity, <clears throat> whether it be, you know, it's anxiety or ADHD, you know, any of these things, even like socially, you know, like social economic status, any of these other things, it, it holds you down. It doesn't allow you to grow because it's always going to be, you're going to always feel like you belong in that bubble where you can actually work to get out of that bubble. No matter what kind of a diagnosis you have, you know, whether it's taking your medication as prescribed or it's, like you said, lifestyle changes or sleep. I think for even just like any kind of mental health, we don't, we don't look into those, those aspects of our life that affecting our mental health, you know? People eat terribly in this country. We're we're known for eating horrible food, and then we don't understand why we feel terrible. Um, so, but then we like to blame the food industry for serving it to us <laughs> when it's we're choosing to go to those places to get food. It's about I think choice. that's the other. 
that that leads into the whole blame shame shift understanding. I think one of the biggest blocks to change is that uh, I make my choices someone else's responsibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it happened. It was the first thing we did. I mean, the first thing we ever felt when we uh, tried to take control of the world and tried to to become our own god was that the very first feeling we had when we became truly aware of who we are. Um, was shame. And the second mm-hmm. feeling that we had was fear, the fear of being known. And when confronted about that, we explained it away by blaming the other person. Eve ate the apple because, uh, I mean, Adam ate the apple because of Eve, and Eve ate the apple <laughs> because of the serpent. And when we do that, that was the first creation. They were the first victims. Because once you blame, shame, shift, then all of a sudden, ultimately, you know, they gave up what actually is the image of God in us. I mean, mm-hmm. the image of God in us is our free will. It's our ability to choose, our ability to act, our ability to create, our ability to grow. Yeah. You know, all of that is the image of God in us. And when we give that up, we actually give up what God created us to be as human beings. Right. You know, that freedom of choice, of response is so, such a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's something that um, we just don't treasure and don't uh, because we would rather somebody else be responsible for our bad choices. You yeah. know, it's like if you're responsible <clears throat> for me, the what people often don't realize is that if you're responsible for my choice, then all of a sudden you are my God. Mm-hmm. You are the one responsible for my well-being. You are the one who determines what I do and don't do. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the big things we hear in in the whole world of codependency, is that you know I'm being treated so badly. Da 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 da. Well, what is actually going on is you're trying to control that other person to become who you want them to be, <laughs> so that they so that you can then love them, or that they would then love you, and you know it, it's like. One of the God-given boundaries we have is I have no influence over who you are. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I cannot control your behavior or make you into my image of you. No, one of the earliest, like, experiences I remember as a young social worker was, I don't remember the name of the seminar we went to, but it was somebody was talking about emotions, and... um It was revolutionary to me, and I, I was in my 20s. This person said, you know, you are not in control of someone else's emotions and they are not in control of yours. So if you yell at somebody and they choose to yell back at you, that's because neither well you both have chosen that reaction. And I was thinking, you know, like at home I had I had not been getting along with my parents. I was still living at home. And I was like, everything that they say, like if they if they if it was a negative comment, I could choose to like react to it in a certain way. And I it never dawned on me that way. No, I don't think it does. No, and it was like I, my automatic response is to yell back or to you know have a tantrum or scream or whatever. And I could have just chosen to say okay and walk away, and there would have been never, no argument because it's not like I'm giving them power by by allowing them to think that they're right. I know what I'm going to do. They know what they're going to do. Let it go. You know, just be like okay. That's how you feel. I get it, and walk away. And 
you're still in control of yourself. It's those silly little mirror neurons that we have. Yeah. You know, I, I love watching my great-grandson um, as he learns to do things. You can watch him mimic. Mm-hmm. He mimics his parents. He mimics everything they do, you know, and... And that's how he learns, and that's because God gave us mirror neurons so we can can learn how to live, learn how to be, but they're still in operation. And so when you yell at me, my little mirror neurons want to mirror it back to you. Exactly. You know, and so... It's 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 really taking charge of those, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so you don't you don't get cooperate with those little bear neurons <laughs> and right. It's becoming in control of your own person. Exactly. And and part of that, with, like the victim mentality, is that I, I choose not to be a victim anymore. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you have to realize that you have the control in in your life. You don't have the control in all the situations that happen to you, but in your life, your decisions. You are in control. Exactly. And now, if you're if you're a professional victim out there, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking y'all just don't understand. Obviously, you haven't had the pain that I've had in my mm-hmm. life. <laughs> you know, and and that is the we call that the codependent bumper sticker. You know, <laughs> it's so, there's so many jokes about codependency because codependency is is inevitably leads to victimhood because you're dependent on the outside to give you your identity. Mm-hmm. And so you're constantly being controlled by stuff happens to you. And you know, it's it's like the the joke that someone's going down for the third time and somebody else's life flashes in front of them. Or oh. the codependent wakes up in the morning and says, How am I today? <laughs> oh know? wow. It's the yeah. uh, how many codependents does it take to change a light bulb? You know, twelve 11 to do it and one to tell them how, you know, I mean, so there's a lot of things about that, but it, it's a serious thing because until we know who we are and whose we are, then we are codependent mm-hmm. on everything outside us. It's not just about a person. It's about a whole environment. Yeah. And trying to make that environment validate you and fill you. And we create, we try to create a person who can make that happen, and that illusion no. of control just doesn't work. And so mm-hmm. we always fail, mm-hmm. you know, when we try to do those things. And just being a human being with all the needs, feelings, and limits, and emotions that we have is kind of, God loves that person. That's who God created. Mm-hmm. He didn't love the person we create. Yeah. You know, that, that we are so dependent on what's around us you know, to, to determine who we are. Yeah. We don't give ourselves a chance a lot of times. And I, I think it's just almost anti-cultural mm-hmm. to, to say, you know what, I have choice, and, and you choose to live that lifestyle, or I don't have to join that understanding. I don't have to, to try to fit in to everything. Right. You know, to really look at where do I... Who, who do I identify with, and where do I get my power, and where do I get my energy? And to really develop boundaries in a way. Boundaries. That, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and, and again, we don't talk about, we tend to talk about setting boundaries or creating boundaries to keep people, to keep people out or determine who gets in. But there are boundaries that we don't create. I mean, we don't create time. We right. don't create I'm, I'm limited and bound by this day. We don't create space. Mm-mm. You know, I can only occupy the space that I'm in. 
now I can time travel in memory and future. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, God doesn't love you in the past, and He doesn't love you in the future. You know, He's in the past and the future, but you're not. Yeah, <laughs> He can only love you where you are. So the best way to live life is to keep your head and your body in the same place. And and you know, because if you stay in the present, then you are loved always. Mm-hmm. No matter what else is going on, there is a place of peace in the present. So how do you feel about like mindfulness and, and its, its ability to help people stay in the present instead of like, you know, we send, in our society, we tend to be so like the victim mentality is like, you know, the past is mm-hmm. affecting me now. Which in some cases it does. But in all like, cases it does. Actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, in all cases it does. But, but then this there's, is an ongoing story. Yeah. And then in the future, we're already worried about what's happening in a year or next week or whatever, instead of worrying about or thinking about what's happening right now and enjoying the presence that you have right now and the things that are going on right now and just being. I think people have a real struggle with that. And if they are able to live in the present, they're able to, you're more in control, number one, because that's all you have control over is what's happening right now. But also, they're, they're, you're, you kind of have the ability to take an inventory. And if you're not feeling well or you're not feeling good, there are things you can do in the current moment that would help you to feel better. Exactly. I think, I think two answers and two things that triggered in me was, you know, one is when we live in the past, which is why I think forgiveness is the hugest gift mm-hmm. we ever got. Uh, or we live in the future, which is worried, like Mark Twain said, that I've had horrible experiences happen to me, but 95% never happened. Mm-hmm. And, but we we lose the total ability to influence our life. Correct. You know, because when I'm pasting the past over the present, I lose the ability to change because I can't change the past. Nothing that happened two seconds ago, nothing that happened, nothing that we've already said, can we change? Mm-mm. You know, um, so I think I think that is uh, that keeps us from ever living. Yeah, when we're living in the past, we're living in our head. <clears throat> Somebody said we become like a popsicle on a stick. You know, a head on a stick. <laughs> you know, because all we're doing is living in our brain. We're living in our mind, which nobody else can live there. So when we're constantly living in the past or the future, we totally eliminate all other people because we're the only ones that can live in our own head. That's true. And so, so that becomes a problem. But about mindfulness, I think when we, I think I think one of the things we've done. Uh, mindfulness is just often prayer without Jesus, <laughs> you know. And and when we really pray and put Jesus in there, there's no peace outside of Jesus. So when we are mindful in the presence of Jesus, mm-hmm. that is prayer. Yeah. And so we are mindful in um, allowing ourselves to rest. I mean, Jesus says, "Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Mm-hmm. And that's what you find when you get mindful in yeah. Christ. But when you get mindful without Christ, you're dancing a dance somewhere else. I don't know what you're doing, but it doesn't. Well, I think it'll give you ability to clear your mind and give your mind some rest. And then, like, because a lot of t- oftentimes I'll tell clients to pair prayer with mindfulness. So just kind of cl- not allowing those intrusive thoughts in. Or not entertaining them, more mm-hmm. or less. So like that you have the time to give your mind just a rest and having a clear mind. But a lot of times I use God's creation to do that. So telling clients, you know, to 
I love the win- summertime because I love to be able to sit on outside. And I'll tell them, just sit for three minutes to start and use your senses. Listen, you hear birds, you hear cars sometimes, you, hear the, you feel the wind on your face, you smell the flowers that are you know, wafting over from the neighbor's yard or whatever, and just spend time being in that presence and knowing that, you know, okay, this is, this is all, for me when I do it, it's like this is the gift. You know? And it is. It's, it's really getting back in your body. Yes. Just exercising all this. Because anything we know about the outside of us is comes in through one of our senses. Correct. And so when we begin to drift off into our head, we're not using our senses. You know, so when I, when I start to see things and hear things and feel things, um, smell things, then I'm getting back into my body. And yeah. And that's one way to come back into the present. Yeah, is to, to is to do that. I do think we have to be, you know, somewhat cautious about some of the uh, about, about getting too far away from doing that under the protection of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, there <laughs> is. Know, there's a lot there of stuff is. out there that I I think is a little bit anxiety provoking. And <laughs> I mean, I, I went through a big period of my life trying to find God without Jesus, <laughs> you know, and and um, and that did not serve me well. Right. And it took me, I remember, I remember, in fact, I remember the moment I came back to Christ because I fired Christ when I was young and spent, spent about 20 years trying to figure out how to do it without him. Um, but one day I ended up at, <clears throat> at a workshop and, and it was on... It was it was it was a sort of a new agey kind of a thing, and I looked around, and everybody there was was in past lives, present lives, future lives, you know, crystal oh. lives, you know, okay. all you know, all this stuff, and and I remember thinking, these people love everybody, but they don't love anybody, and mm. they're crazy, <laughs> and and yeah, I, I thought, I, I remember driving home feeling very just almost frightened and thinking who who lived the best life that anybody ever lived and who had more influence on life than anybody ever has, and that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I got home and I started studying the Gospels, and I fell in love with him, not what he said, although that was part of it, yeah. but also how he lived, how he loved, what he did. you know. And so many things that he did uh, don't fit with our a lot of people's understanding of who Christ is. I mm-hmm. mean, he never chased anybody. He never begged anybody. He just said, no. this is the way. If you want to come, come. He left free will. Love leaves free will. It doesn't possess or control. No. It has good boundaries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah great boundaries. He, he was had like the, the best boundaries ever. poster child for boundaries. <laughs> yes, like, he was. <laughs> it was like, oh, my goodness. If you want to see boundaries. And yet, in the church, we think, die to self means you can't exist. Yeah, and what it really means is Mm-mm. die to self as God mm-hmm. to really remember you cannot do it alone. No, you know the the right. Bible is a recovery book. <laughs> you know it, it's it's like okay we messed up and this is how you get back. Yeah, and 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 it's so it's really a very um, I think it's a it's 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 a very interesting thing how we have made it so cerebral rather than living mm-hmm. and I, and and i think you know we have so much about the way to live and you know the whole idea of if you do it right then everything will be fluffy 
I mean, I say, look at the disciples. Who of the disciples had a fuzzy oh, life? No. I mean, <laughs> the fuzzy life did not come to no. the disciples. Everybody was chopped and beaten, thrown in jail, and you know. Right. I mean, it was. But, but even, what, but even then, they chose. They chose how they felt about it. You know, you can choose to still live in joy despite your circumstances. People do it all over the world. Yeah, joy is the assurance of God smiling at you with a twinkle in his eye. Mm -hmm. When you stay under that light of God smiling at you with a twinkle in his eye, then you don't get all bent out of shape over where you are, what your experience is. You're living in a place that is not controlled by your experience and your surroundings. You know, and that is that is the gift. Yeah, and that's why Paul could sing in prison because right. he had joy. He knew that he had the joy, the assurance of God's presence, no matter what happened. Yeah, because there's not a place we can go where we cannot have God smiling at us with a twinkle in His eye. Yeah, He's right alongside of us all yeah. the time. I mean, it's and that's where the the whole idea of of making choices of of. Not, I mean, there's a huge difference. All of us will be victimized. I've never met a person, especially a person who got to be as old as me, which not many people get to be as old as me, but but I've never met a person who at some point in their life was not victimized. Right. I mean, we get hurt, we get betrayed, we get abandoned, we fail at different things, we get health issues, people die on us. I mean, that's just, I mean, life is going to do that. I mean... That's life. It's that's life, mm-hmm. and and yet, you know the the whole idea that that is not the determining factor that we have choice of response that we do not have we're not chairs we're not like oh gee you are a chair and you can't change we we can change mm-hmm. and some of the people that have influenced me the most in my life are people who have been through hell and back yeah I mean have have literally, uh, they're not necessarily people who are educated formally, Mm -hmm. but they're educated by life and they're educated by uh, a heart for God that makes me envy them. Mm -hmm. And they walk it to to death, literally. (laughs) I mean, they, they, you know... And and just they they finish well they finish at peace yeah because they're not dependent on the experiences they have in life they're dependent on something bigger than the experiences they right. have in life right and that's what gives them courage to keep on keeping on they have and, the promise they have the hope mm-hmm. you know and I don't think there's any other way in life that you can keep your heart soft Mm-mm. I mean and we tend to close up and get hardened by life if we don't have something bigger than ourselves to rely on. Sometimes I think it's the hardened part that it can be hard to get over. You know, the mm-hmm. there are um, stories and um, that I've heard of people giving me information where they're, it's like they're, they, it's really hard. I can see how hard it would be to get over or to get, not get over, get through what they've been through. And a lot of times I'm, I'm inspired by them and their ability to get through them. Mm-hmm. And they're at the point where they now need, are asking for someone to walk alongside them to help them finish well, like you say. And so that's the, that's the trick. I think that's when that we see them is like when they're usually at the point where they know, okay, I'm, I need help. I need the, the, someone to walk alongside mm-hmm. me. And which is wonderful 
But you know, it's it's okay to ask in the midst of the trauma or whatever for help too. And um, I think a lot of times we see people way after that point, and it's really harder. It's it's almost like um, not I can't think of the word, but it's like it it it's almost past the point of malleability. You know, I think in, in making peace and beyond, one of the things we talk about a lot is the language of survival versus the language of love. Mm-hmm. And I think the language of survival is about control. It's about protection. It's about defensiveness. Um, it's, it, it is the hardened heart. It's, yeah. it's trying to protect yourself from any more pain or any additional pain. Right. And and sometimes it's necessary. I know, um, you know, and, and one, of the, one of the things that, that I try to do with people is to say, you know, Celebrate the child who made it. Yeah. I mean, you were a wounded, beaten-up kid. You were a kid who went through a lot of stuff. You were a person who went through a lot of stuff. Love the kid. Have compassion for the kid who made it mm-hmm. to here. But you are here, and now you can live differently. You don't have to hold on to that anymore. Now you can start to learn a different language of life. And God offers us the language of love. Mm-hmm. Of compassion, of empathy, of acceptance, and 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 I think that is it, it takes courage to open that door that you closed. I mean, yeah. because when you close that door, there was a big monster out there, mm-hmm. and you don't know that that monster's still out there, not still out there, and it may be some monster out there. But now you're bigger; you can face the monster in a different right. way. You're not the child that that had to go hide under the bed. You're yeah, not, you're not the kid who had to who ball up your fist and say, I'll do it in spite of you. That was mine. I'll do it in spite of you. <laughs> you know, but but um, but it was a it was a lonely way to live because even though that door may give you the illusion of safety, which it is not, right, then it just means you're gonna get probably hurt more. But it does um, it, it it's that illusion of safety that is that helped you to I mean that that behavior helped you to survive at some point. Yeah. So yeah. when you when you begin to change that, it's really scary. I tell people sometimes it's kind of like when your leg's gone to sleep, you know, and, and it's numb, and then it starts to wake up, and, and it feels jerky, and it feels tingly, and you almost wish it would close back down again and then go <laughs> numb again because it hurt, it's not comfortable. And, <clears throat> and when you first start to allow your heart to wake up and your emotions to wake up, they do that. I mean, they feel you feel yeah. anxiety, you feel scared, you feel like this limb's going to break, you know, something bad's going to happen any minute, and and you have to get through that to find there's freedom on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. There is freedom that you have never experienced in your life on the other side of this. Yeah, and that is just such an incredible thing. It is. It's an amazing. It's it's great for us when we see people finally reach that point. Too. Oh. I love to watch the light come on in people's eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that is just the most incredible thing in the world. I mean, you see somebody who is who has had the courage to step in. I mean, at Making Peace and Beyond Weekends, I mean, I think they're the most courageous people in the world. You know, yeah. and I tell them, I mean, if the bomb goes off, hope you're in this group because if anybody survives it, we will. We know how to survive. We have no idea how to live, you know, yeah. but we do know how to survive. And you see the strongest, most you know, bravest people in the world who have have been through their pain and have the courage to step in to try to open that door and to love well. Mm-hmm. 
It's just an, what a privilege we have. We, I know. I always feel like it's a blessing for us. It is. To be able to walk with people through all this stuff. It is. I mean, it doesn't mm-hmm. get old. I've been doing it for 44 years now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it does not get old. <laughs> you know, you just, every person is such a precious human being yeah. that God loved and created and Jesus died for. And, and just to watch them blossom is just an incredible gift. I know. Anyway, I love you. I love you, too. I am really glad we had this conversation. Me, too. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. I love talking with Michelle and sharing our weekly visit with you. I hope you'll join us again. And uh, in the meantime, you may want to check out our website, makingpeaceandbeyond.com, where we have videos and reference to books. Uh, Also, uh, we're on every social media, TikTok, Instagram, uh, you can subscribe to these podcasts. We we uh, will be doing some more, um, and so we just thank you for being here.